The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So you've had one period of walking meditation and one of sitting meditation to explore <clears throat> this connection between the second foundation of mindfulness, Vedana, or feeling tone, and equanimity. I would love to hear from, from all of you, but I know we, we don't have the time, so um, just keep, keep exploring and I will, I will share with you um, something that Sharon Salzberg writes about this. <clears throat> the Buddha taught that we can feel pleasure fully, yet without craving or clinging, without defining it as our ultimate happiness. We can feel pain fully without condemning it or hating it. And we can experience neutral events by being fully present so that they are not just fill-in times until something more exciting comes along. The non-reactivity is the state of equanimity and it leads us into freedom in each moment. So this non-reactivity is this state of equanimity, and it leads us into freedom each moment. So to me, this paragraph, in a very succinct way, summarizes the benefit of being able to pay attention to this constant shift of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and how to navigate it without being thrown off. Some of you uh, are familiar with the eight worldly winds where the Buddha presents us with four pairs of realities that we have in our life. And this list is really to remind us that it's our responsibility to embrace it all, the, the favorable and the unfavorable. Understanding that if we have pleasure, there will be pain. That if we have gains, we will have loss. That if there is fame, there will be disrepute. And that if there is their compliments, there'll be criticisms too. So it's all part of the, the same coin, we can say, the two sides of the same coin that we are asked to take it all in and just really be aware how we only want one side, and we feel that something went wrong, that we did something wrong, 
when the pleasure turns into pain. But really, the truth is that anything pleasant after a while turns into pain. I love to swim. The first half hour, it's pleasure. The next half hour, not so much. And if I keep swimming, there'll be pain. So, you know, just recognize that everything is connected with these two pairs of opposites. So I grew up watching my mother put together ballet performances. And it was quite interesting to see how every aspect of the performance came together. You know, the ballet story and the choreography and the music and the costumes and finally the lighting. As a kid, I loved to see the changes of the lighting in the theater, how it just changed completely the atmosphere. So it sounds like a very wonderful, rich environment to grow up in, right? It kind of was, but it also wasn't. And the part that wasn't was precisely the topic that we're talking about. Equanimity was lacking. So for every performance, there would be big, I mean big, storms and dramas. Any little mistake from a theater technician, a stage technician, or from the dancers would be disaster. I mean, my mother would just throw this terrible, terrible temper tantrum. And so we would all arrive to the performance emotionally completely drained. And since I grew up with this, I believed that these ups and downs were an integral part of the artistic creation. So years later, I have the good fortune in college as a music student to have a very equanimous orchestra conductor. And he would work us hard for the rehearsals. But guess what? The concert date would arrive And much to my amazement, there were no dramas. None. And we would do pretty decent. So it's not, I realized, oh, they're not necessary. (laughs) It was like one of those moments of discovery. Oh, these big ups and downs are not necessary. And how much pain do they cause? So one of the things that I really like about the term equanimity is if you look at the, the, the root of the word equa from the Latin, means equal, and animus is mind. So we're finding this equality in the mind. And this equality in the mind or evenness in the mind requires a bit of a refining our mind states. Everything around us 
uh, pushes us into peak experiences, strong, big emotions. And the more we get addicted to that, the less we're going to be able to refine the mind state to stay in that middle that, the, that equanimity demands of us, which means that it is not going to fall over into reactivity, neither is going to fall into indifference. But we're balancing right there. Notice that the word equilibrium is also related to equanimity. We are balancing right in the middle. Now, the Pali word upeka also means balance. So it's connected to equilibrium. And so there we are, balancing As we think about balancing, think about how equanimity appears in several of the lists in the Dharma at the end. It appears as the fourth in the Brahma Viharas. It appears as the seventh factor of enlightenment. And it appears as the tenth parami. So it's kind of like the, the quality that culminates all these preparatory qualities. If we look in particular at the, at the Brahma-viharas, how it balances the previous qualities, we can see how the first three are practices that are all about opening our heart. I'm wishing myself and others, may you be well, may you be happy. The second one, I open myself to the pain in the world. I have the courage to open, even if it hurts. So I say, may I or may you be free of suffering. And the third one, mudita, or sympathetic joy, now we open ourselves to the good fortune of another. So may your good fortune continue. That's for the third Brahma-vihara. And so the fourth one, equanimity, how does it balance those three? It's all about opening up and accepting things as they are. Not to be confused with passivity. Okay, That's, That would be one of the near enemies. Nor indifference. We open up to the things as they are. And we recognize that we have limits of how much we can control. That's the very freeing aspect in the, in, in the practice. When we have that as an insight, especially if you think about a loved one and you see them involved in behavior that is harming them, how difficult it is to 
express our love and also understand our limitations. I cannot take the pain away from you. I cannot take your suffering away. This kind of realization doesn't come as a rational uh, understanding, but as an insight. I had that experience in this in my last three-month retreat where a, a loved one came into my mind and for the first time I understood, oh, it doesn't matter how well I love this person. This person will still suffer. There will still a belief in me if I only love this person well enough, he or she won't suffer. And I think a lot of us still have that belief somewhere in our minds that our love is so wonderful that it can do the magic. So, of course, the love is a very beautiful thing, but it is very freeing, very freeing to understand at the, as an insight that I cannot take away the pain of another And this brings tremendous equanimity. So to finish, I want to read the quote again of of Sharon Salzberg. The Buddha taught that we can feel pleasure fully, yet without craving or clinging, without defining it as our ultimate happiness. We can feel pain fully without condemning or hating it, And we can experience neutral events by being fully present so that they are not just fill-in times until something more exciting comes along. The non-reactivity is the state of equanimity, and it leads us into freedom in each moment. So let's take a moment to sit in silence. May each one of us find moments of non-reactivity in our lives many times during the day and so that we may taste many moments of liberation. Thank you.